Okay. Um, last week, we promised, if you have your um, smartphone or your tablet, um, and it has the free version Bible app, okay, boot that up and quiet it down, because we have a live event question for you. First thing, right off the bat, as I told you if you were with us last week, last week we kicked off our Don't Miss Out little sub-series of our study in uh, Colossians. And we asked the question, um, or we didn't say, we said don't miss out on having a nonstop party in your head. So we had two, uh, two prayers that you could pray this week. Did anybody have their, their rubber band? You got it? Okay. A couple of you, I thought you were flipping me off. Okay, good. Pinky, good. Good. Okay, so we asked, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might want to pray this one. Um, do you have the prayers? Did I put that up there? The, the two prayers that they could pray? Uh, that's okay. Um, it, yes, if you're a follower of Jesus, we said, there's joy in my soul because he's in control. Or if you're just checking out the faith, you could, you could pray this, Jesus, I want to know you so I can trust you. We said that was beautifully dangerous prayer. So uh, if you have that, what happened this week? If you're on your phones or you're on your tablet, this is your chance to share what happened as a result of, of praying those prayers uh, this week. So while they're putting their answers in, if the rest of you want to uh, please open your Bibles, if you want to follow along with us to the book of Colossians, the third chapter. If you don't have a Bible, you'd like to use one, check under one of the seats in front of you. They're brown hardback Bibles. If you don't own one, you do now. That's yours to keep. Uh, Just flip that to page 1131 and you'll be where we need to be. So um, let's finish up your answers, lock them in, and we'll see what we get. Here's, Here's the effects. Okay, okay, there's one. Could we refresh and maybe? Okay, okay, we got more. I prayed the joy one. It made me catch myself when I was getting stressed. It replaced it. It replaced it with peace and happiness. Made me smile. It was really cool. Less stress, more party. Liking that. Freedom. Help when stressed. Okay. Um, Some of you are are continuing to key in. Um, I'm so glad. Keep going. Keep going with that. We're going to add some to that this week. Um, and we are going to do that this week. Say it with me. This is what we're going to look at this week. If you could bring that up. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on wanting the best. Will you say that with me? Don't miss out on wanting the best. You kind of don't want to, do you? Now, let's try it one more time. Let's read it aloud. Don't miss out on wanting the best. Now, regard, thank you. Thank you. Regardless of who we are, regardless of our spiritual background, regardless of our belief system, whether you're into this Christianity, this church stuff or not, I think we can all agree that that we want the best for ourselves. Can we agree on that? Okay, so we can start there. We all want the best for ourselves. Can we also agree that because sometimes we're not that bright, that sometimes the things we want aren't the best for us, but we don't know that at the time, right? There's, there's proof. There's proof in history. There's proof in our lives. We want the best, but sometimes the things that we want aren't the best because we don't know that they're not the best. I mean, any of you, some of you I know, lived through the 70s with me, right? Bell-bottom pants, not the best. They were not. 
It's a fashion atrocity. Look it up. Google it. If you didn't live through this, you'll be amazed. Look, if bell bottoms ever come back, you know that Jesus is also about to come back because obviously we have not learned from our mistakes. Okay, we wanted that at the time. They were not the best. Okay, so Sheree and I get married. It's like uh, almost 28 years ago. And like many people, we registered for wedding gifts. We registered for China, okay? Now, you've never seen this pattern of China, I know, because I'm pretty sure they discontinued it right after they released it because they realized that was not the best. Um, It is square, it is black, and it looks like every large pastel flower just threw up on it, okay? You have never seen this China pattern. But if you come over to my house for dinner, you still will not see this China pattern. Why? Because it's still in the box it came in. Because we realized soon after that what we wanted was not the best. And we keep that as a symbol of not wanting things that are not the best. You would think we would learn, right? But we get our first house, and we get our first house in San Antonio, which if you have, yeah, amen, sister, you, you, that's where you come from. She will attest to the fact that San Antonio can get Africa hot. Hot. I mean, blistering in the summertime. It's a beautiful town. I love it. But we only had like a one window air conditioner in the family room. And we had a toddler, a little, little baby, Tommy. Um, he was little at once, for those of you who know him. Um, we had no furniture. And since we knew we only had air conditioning in this one room, that we would be living and eating and sleeping in this one room during the summer. So we thought the best piece of furniture we're going to buy, the first one needs to be a couch. So we can sleep on it, we could live on it, we could eat on it. Not thinking that um, we have a small person here. And the the interesting thing about our baby, uh, Tommy, was 24-7, I love the boy, but 24-7, there is either something going into him or coming out of him. Sometimes both at the same time. So what couch do we get? A white cotton couch. Really? Two somewhat educated people. We thought that was the best. That lasted about half a day. I suggested, because it was getting stained, like, relentlessly. Crazy. I said, let's just get some colored marks a lot. And every time there's a stain... We just circle the stain and we we write how that happened. It'll become like a family scrapbook. We could pass this on to the children. Apparently, Shri didn't think I was wanting the right things because instead of that, we covered it in denim and you can see this piece. It is still in our house and we put it in Tommy's bedroom as a reminder that you don't always want what's best. Now, it would be amusing if this kind of thing were the only thing. But in each case, we wanted what we thought was best, but what we wanted wasn't best. And we get what we want, and that wasn't good. 
So try to follow me on this. This is kind of, kind of where we're going with this. Our wants can keep us from the best if we're not wanting the best. You tracking with that? Our wants can keep us from the best if what we're wanting isn't the best, right? So in fact, all of our lives, your life, my life, are a reflection of our wants. Your life reflects to some degree what you want most. My life reflects um, those things that I want more than other things. In fact, I would, I would bet that this is true of you as it is true for me, that some of the best things in your life that you enjoy and rejoice over and, and, and just give you just life, right? That those are the products of your wants. But I would also bet that some of the worst things in your life that you stress over and hate and struggle against are also a product of your wants. Is that not true, right? In fact, I would, I would go a step further and say, you and I, you know, a lot of those things in our lives, whether they're good or bad, would stem from us wanting one thing more than we want something else. I mean, that is kind of the stuff of going through life. That's how it works. Whether we want to work or study more than we want to play, or we want to play more than we want to work or study, whether we want to eat more than we want to exercise, whether I want that other drink or I want sobriety, whether I want to pour into my work constantly, or whether I want to pour into my family constantly. What do you want more? Whether I want to buy that new thing or uh, that new car or that new whatever, or I want financial freedom. That is going to determine how our life plays out. So it is absolutely, get this, in the end, you and I get pretty much what we want what we want. You say, I don't have what I want. You're moving in that direction. You are moving. So you and I, in the end, pretty much get what we want. So that makes it super important that you and I take a look at what we want and make sure it's the best. And, and that's what we say. Don't miss out on wanting the best because your wants will shape your life. And, and God knows this. And, 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 and so it's easier to see in other people, isn't it? It's easier to see in other people than it is in ourselves because we have these blind spots in ourselves. So let's start with other people. You get to talk about other people. <laughs> Don't you love that? Come to church. Think of someone that you know that you love, right? Someone that you love who is throwing their life away or throwing one piece of their life away. Think of that person. You love them. They're throwing... Some of you are stumped. I'm like, I don't know anybody who's throwing their life away. Have you ever left the house? Really? Come on. Just in my family, I'm trying, trying to figure out which one I'm going to pick. Okay? Think of that person. How are you thinking, right? You love them. You want the best for them. But you're frustrated because they want something that is destroying them. But they don't see it. But virtually everybody else can tell they're about to walk off the edge of a cliff, but they want, and you just think, if only I could change what they want, 
what they want, what they think is there, what they think just because it's giving them momentary, temporary happiness, it's going to end badly. If, I, if only I could change that for them. If only I could change their wants. Aren't you thinking their life could be so much better? Their life could be so much easier. Their life could be so much more beautiful if they would just want the right things. But I can't make them want that. I wish that for them. I want that for them. They don't want that for themselves. And your heart hurts. You ever felt that way? About somebody else? Maybe. Just maybe, in love, in, in love, that's how God is feeling when he looks at me, when he looks at you. I love them. I, I want much more for them than they want for themselves. So um, the more somebody loves you, the more they want what's best for you. So God, right, whether you believe in him or not, the concept of God. God would want the best for you more than anybody else because God loves you infinitely most, infinitely most. So he doesn't leave us alone in this. Um, so, so here's the jumping off point. What if the things that you and I want most are not leading us into more life, but less life? What if the things that you and I want most are not leading us into more joy, but less joy? What if the things that you and I want the most aren't leading us into more freedom, but less freedom. What if? Wouldn't you want to know? What if the, the things that you and I want most are killing the very dreams that we have for our best life? What, what if? Wouldn't you want to know? Yes, I would want to know. In fact, God knows this, and because he loves us, because he has this aching love that, that we would want the best and get the best from him. Um, he gives us his truth in Colossians chapter three. We're going to take a look at it. If you're already in the U version, you've got it. Three, we're going to pick it up in verse five. We're going to read a few verses and then we're going to zoom in on a couple um, and see what this means to us. Starts out with the very cheery words, put to death, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness which is idolatry. Huh. Verse six. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse seven. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Okay. Okay, we're going to stop there. This is all about what you and I want what you and I want and not wanting the best. But we, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, if you're, you resist change, we resist change, even if it's the best change, even if it's for the better. In fact, this is the way it usually plays out, that the pain of not changing has to get greater than the pain of change in order for us to do it, even if it's the best. And don't you see the danger there is that because we get what we want, if we want the wrong things, we're gonna get the wrong things. So, so we gotta come back. We have to look at our wants. We have to take a look at that and 
Um, the Bible is clear. What, if, you, if you've spent any time there, starting in Genesis chapter 3 with our first parents and going all the way through, but it started there in, in Genesis 3 with the fall, our wanters got broke. Got broke. When our first parents disobeyed, they invited death and dysfunction and disease and, and all the things that God never wanted for us. And in that, our wanters, our desires got broke. So we are prone to want the wrong things and we are prone to resist change. This is why you see so little difference between people who name the name of Jesus Christ, who claim to be his followers and those who are not. Because we resist the life change that that he says, I have come to bring you, right? We resist that. We, We tend to say wrong things like, hey, this is just the way that I am. I have always been this way and I'm always going to be this way. No. If Christ is living in you, you can change. You can change your wanter and you can want and pursue and find things that you wouldn't otherwise find. So um, we have a list here and we're going to take a look at it. We're going to start in verse five. Why does God give us a list? Because it's easier to see in other people, isn't it? Isn't it? So, so we have blind spots in our lives and God has given us a, a list of things to make sure that we're not wanting the wrong things. And isn't it strange that this, which was penned by the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, still nails it for the things that you and I have struggled with. We have made advances in technology and science and so many other ways. So it's like, dudes, your wanter is broken. Right? So we have this list. Let's take a look. The first thing um, is sexual immorality and impurity. They were, they're really very, very similar. Sexual immorality and impurity. Now, before I even say anything about it, you already know how this applies to you or doesn't. You already know how this applies to you or doesn't. It, uh, now, the word that is used here is, is uh, fornication. So what it's talking about is sex, the the beautiful gift of sex. We ought not be telling our young people that sex is bad, sex is bad, and then they say, I do, and then it's great. I mean, do you see how we're... No, it's great, and so it needs to be handled great Um, because it has the potential to be like life-changing or life-wrecking. So um, this is sex outside of the gift of marriage between a man and a woman. This is what it means. Now, um, when we say we want something else, it's basically saying this, God, I know whether I'm a church type or not, I know this is how you designed this to work beautifully as a blessing in my life, as a blessing in other people's lives. I know, but I think my way is better. I think my way is better. Okay, okay. You you have the power to want and pursue that. But you're going to have a life that reflects what you want. You're going to have a life that reflects what you want. And let me just say this, that as a pastor, I get to talk to a lot of people, a lot of people. And those who have pursued purity um, before and within marriage, I have never met anyone who regrets that. On the flip side, 
I have yet to meet someone who didn't, who, who decided they were not going to pursue purity. They were not going to pursue sexual um, purity in marriage and before marriage, who, who didn't go that way, who doesn't regret it. So knowing that and knowing your wanter is broke um, gives us some cues, gives us some cues. This is summertime. Chances are you have people who are getting married. That is a great, great thing. But here's the, here's the dichotomy. Even in like Christian marriages, like um, there'll be some people who will um, want on that day when they marry one another for God to bless this relationship, okay? But if this is you, just dial this in that if you may be asking God to bless a relationship when you've pretty much flipped him off with the way you've handled sex in your relationship up until now. But all of a sudden you want him to bless it when you've had no intention of following him in your relationship this way. That's disconnected. And so we should not be amazed when, hey, this stuff isn't lining up. Well, our wanter is broke. And, and you can't go from wanting to rebel against God to wanting to be in the center of his will and have his blessing. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. Um, God wants your joy. Now, a lot of people think of God wrong. God wants your joy. God wants your best. The question is, do you and I want the best? Do you and I want what God wants? Now, we go on to passion, right? And purity, uh, passion. What does it mean? We're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be dispassionate and not care? No. This is talking about appetites. Do your wants drive your life? Now, um, we could talk about this in, in a lot of different ways, but the way this um, typically plays out very commonly is in money and stuff, right? Um, our passion for wanting more, right? You get a windfall, you get a tax return, you get a anything, you get a bump in money, and you already know. I mean, that's already spent, right? You're going to, you know, I know, I need an 80 uh, screen thing where I have to wear special glasses and the people, I can smell the people. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you're laughing now, but if I could think of it, somebody who can do it has already thought of it, right? Um, so, so, like, here's what happens. You get a raise and you go, bingo, I can upgrade my standard of living, right? Like, that's the American dream, right? More is better, bigger is better. That's not best. That's, that's materialism. That's, um, that's consumerism. That's capitalism, like, talking to you and saying, the more you get, the better it is, the better it is. And um, you will never have enough money to find the end of that. You won't. Uh, look, I, I, I'm a fundraiser, a major gift fundraiser. So uh, for Western, that's my full-time job. Um, I spend my time with many people who have so much they've lost count of. They, they don't know how much they have. They, they know, but they'll never find the end of it. They always know somebody who has more. They always know the limitations of what they have. So if you're not there, and and we're not there, but we still have this thing, and they still have this thing, then then here's what needs to happen. If you're married, 
um, do this. This was a huge blessing to Sheree and to me. I don't even remember who told us to do it, but it's very biblical. You get together, and I don't care if you're a young couple, and you have this conversation, what is enough? Because if you don't decide before you get there, you'll never get there. What is enough? What kind of house do we need? What kind of um, things do we need? How much? Because when you get there, you'll notice and you'll say, hey, we're here. And, and what that means is now we start investing. And, and you don't wait to invest in eternal things, but now you can really pile it on. We can invest in God's kingdom. We can invest. But if you don't do that, you won't know when you get there. And even if you're single, you know, there's not a person that you're sharing your life with. Have this conversation with yourself and with God. How much is enough for me? Because if you and I don't define that, and this goes for you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, this is good, solid advice. Determine what is enough for you. Otherwise, your wants will always outpace what you have. Your wants will always leave you wanting. Decide ahead of time how much is enough. Because it frees you up to do things that really, really, really matter. Okay. Um, Robbie and Elise, and I'm glad they're not here because I'm going to embarrass them a little bit. They just had their first uh, anniversary. Do you know Robbie and Elise Richardson? Just a very cool, lovely couple. If you don't know them, you should. Um, but they're not here this week. They just celebrated their first anniversary. I hope they're, I know they're away, um, doing something incredible. They did something incredible. They had this conversation. Now, Robbie is a very talented outfitter. He takes people fishing, right? He takes people hunting. That's what he does for a living. He, he loves it. But he and Elise got together and they, they shared this with me, not to, not to brag, but for, for an accountability thing. And they said, Sundays during fishing season, that is high time for, that's a high demand time for, for Robbie to be doing this work. But we have decided as a couple that it's more important for us to be here at Bethany together um, growing spiritually, pressing into the Lord. It's more important to us to do that than it is for him to make more. Okay, I am not putting this on you like that is your decision. This is their decision. And their life will be a reflection of that. Because I believe that what they did was say, we want this because we believe that God wants this for us. And we believe that God wants the best and he alone knows what that is. So even though as newlyweds, as one year old, it makes no sense to pass up this opportunity. We're doing it because we want this more. And I believe God will honor that. I really do. I really do. So then we're throwing a curveball in this list, aren't we? I mean, you get past the evil desire. Oh, sure. Um, covetousness, which is idolatry. Really. So the, the fact that I want my neighbor's cool new Toyota Tundra with all the trip, that 
is like having a different God. Make, really? Really? I mean, of all the things, you know, you would think that, that God's going to pick to put together and say, this is idolatry. Why being covetous? Why being jealous? Why being greedy in that way? Well, here's why. Because it is in, in some ways very upside down with the gospel. It shows that your treasure, my treasure, is in stuff and not in Jesus. It shows that um, I see things as being the solution to my lack, not him being the solution to my lack, right? I see things that other people have and I want them. I'm a taker versus seeing all that God has done for me in Christ and wanting to be a giver. I want them to have all that I have. So, so here's where we are, where we are. Um, why do we have to put it to death? Why do we have to put it to death? Look at verse five. It's very, it's very striking. Put to death, therefore, that is, which is earthly in you. Put to death. Don't you think that's, um, that's a little extreme? Well, no. This is a kill or be killed kind of, kind of thing. And, and it's here because these broken wants are killing our souls. They're killing our souls. So what God is saying, say, kill them first. Kill these things first because they're killing your soul. So we don't want to put these things to death. Why? Because we want them. Because we want them. We like them, right? You know that one Republic song? Everything that kills me makes me feel alive, right? Come on, don't make me sing the whole thing. Just nod your head. <laughs> Baby, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Because you're going to get it if you, don't, if you don't stay with me. Okay, but instead of killing these things, what do we want to do? Here's four things that we want to do rather than kill all of these bad wants, all these broken wants. Here's the list. We want to deny them. We want to suppress them. We want to manage them. And we want to justify them. This is how we go through it. We want to deny. We don't have these bad wants. That's not part of me. That's not where some of you are there. Some of you are there. This is not a problem for me. When we get to the point where we can't deny it, then we're going to suppress it. <laughs> okay, I know I got it, but I can hide it. I can hide it. Nobody else in my life is going to know. My family's not going to know. My friends are not going to know. People I work with, hey, just, they know. They know. You're not that good. You're not that good at suppressing all the brokenness in you. You know why we can recognize it? Because we have it too. Okay, so suppress. Then we're going to manage because we kind of like the things that we know we shouldn't like. We kind of want the things that we know we shouldn't want. So we're going to manage this. I got this in my life, I know, but it's not running my life, right? I can have a little bit of this, and I can have a little bit of that, and I'm going to manage this. And then it doesn't go well, right? We can't manage it. Why? Because the thing that you're trying to manage is an A-list predator. It knows only to do one thing, and that is kill you. You see that video going around of the guys? They have a lion that's like a frat house, and they have a lion, and it's eating out of their plate, and... No, I'm serious. It went around like two weeks ago. You know when you're watching this, there's going to be a day when that lion remembers, hey, I'm a lion. I don't have to share this house with these guys. And he's going to eat them and have the house to himself. The thing that you're trying to manage is the same way. If, If we could just manage this, God would just say, hey, manage that. No, he said it's dangerous. It's killing your soul. It's keeping you from the best. Kill it. 
But when we can't manage it, then we justify it, right? We have so many reasons why, why we should be wanting this and why it's okay. And even if it's not okay, at least we're not like fill in the blank. They are train wrecks, right? They have taken this, and apparently they didn't know how to deny and suppress and manage as well, but not me, right? We compare ourselves to each other rather than to Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. So um, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like all of these don't miss out things, it all goes back to the first verse in this chapter. Um, Colossians 3, 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, this is going to happen. You're going to put these to death. Why? Because he's living in you. He raised you up. You're, you're going to put these to death. You're going to find victory. You're going to have your wanter fixed and replaced, right? Look, if you doubt how serious and how strong broken wants are, look at me. This is real important. This part right here. Some of you have already started to change your beliefs about who God is and what he wants. You are already starting to change your faith to line up with your broken wants. That's how powerful this is. You will trade the truth of what you know about God to accommodate what you know is broken about you. How do I know this? Because I've done it. I don't really believe in a God who fill in the blank. It's the thing you struggle with. You'd rather change him than change you. And he's saying, I want the best for you. I want the best for you. So verse six, this gets to the fun part, right? So on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Always a popular topic, um, the wrath of God. What God is, is saying here is, um, I want the best so much that I will destroy that which destroys the best, even if it's in you. Even if it's in you. Don't, don't miss this. God can do this uh, two ways. We see through scripture, you'll see it in your own life. One is passive wrath. What is passive wrath? It's when God takes his hands off you and says, okay, that's what you want. I've, I've wooed you, I've talked to you, I've coaxed you, I've shown you in my word, I've put people in your life, I've put truth in you. You don't want that? Okay, go. Go your way, continue. Continue in your self-destructive ways. Let me tell you, this is by far the most terrifying form of wrath. You'll see it if you wanna check out what it looks like, Romans chapter 12, that's what it looks like. Uh, chapter one, I think it starts at verse 12. I'm sorry. You're going to go to Romans 12. You're going, it's not here. It's not here. He's a liar. It's Romans one. It's Romans one. Um, when he says, go ahead, go your own way. You, you, you got it. I'm not going to bother you anymore. Why is that terrifying? Because you don't know. You don't know that he's taken his hands off. And he said, you want that road? Walk it. Walk it but I'm taking my hands off. Does that mean you can't do a U-turn? No, it means you're never gonna want to do a U-turn because you've already hardened your heart to that. The second one is active wrath. That's when God comes in and gives you a body slam or a soul slam. Some of you have had that. It's immediate, it's violent, it's hard. 
And it lets you know that your life in this area is out of control. And that is far more merciful. You say, oh, I don't want that. Yes, you do. Yes, you and I do. Because unless we're brought up short on that, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. It's merciful. So um, we need to see that God's wrath is always connected with God's love because you can only get upset with something that you really love. Like somebody I've never met who's trashing their life. That doesn't get me upset, does it? No, but if Quincy, my daughter, whom I love more than oxygen, if she's trashing her life, what does that build up in me? Oh, can't happen. His wrath is always connected with his love. It's always connected. So um, some of you are getting down now because like, you know, you've blown it. So you're in a group of people who have blown it. And, and church is not the time, not the place to, to feel guilty, to, to get down, to lose hope. This is the place to get more hope. And there is incredible hope. And the credible hope is always where it always is. It's in the gospel. It's in Jesus Christ. Because rather than destroy the things in you that are destroying you, Jesus took them upon himself and let them destroy him instead. That's the gospel, that the the wants that are broken in me that are going to destroy me, God's wrath is coming, but Jesus stepped in front as God's son and said, I will take on all of these broken wants and I would rather them destroy me so that you will not be destroyed. And then he goes to, um, he puts to death those things on the cross in your place. When you were on like death row, he said, no, you go free. I'm going to take this. I'm going to, I'm going to take this. And it goes better, better than that. Not only does he forgive you for all those broken wants, for all those broken things that you've sought and gotten and enjoyed and not wanted the best, he takes them upon himself. Not only does he wipe your slate clean, it gets better than that. He imputes to us, he gifts to you all his righteousness. Because when he forgives you, you just have a clean blank slate, right? And I'd go through life like, I just want to keep it blank. I just want to keep it blank. Don't, don't, don't put any... He piles on all his righteousness onto your account and mine. And it goes even further. Then he says, I'm going to move in. I'm going to take up residence in your life, in your heart. And I'm going to live this out, this new life that I've raised you up to so that you can will and want, it says in in 1 John. I'm going to give you a new wanter so you'll want the things that are of me. You'll be able to do these things that are of me. That's what I'm going to do. The gospel is the hope. Nobody ought to leave here hopeless just because you've blown it. If you've blown it, you're in the perfect position to get a new wanter, to have the power of the gospel flowing through you, rejuvenating you, bringing you to life. The danger for us is here, and then we're going to go. The danger for us, for you and for me, whenever God gives us these things that he wants, these things where we're broken, is we're going to run back to the law, right? We're going to do better. We're going to try harder. That, that I've got systems and I'm going to put these things in place and I'm going to just, look, try harder, do better is not the gospel. Trying harder never got anybody a new heart. Because even if you line that up, the problem is our hearts are broken. Our wanters are are broken. We need a new wanter. And that's exactly what he offers. So go to Christ. Get that new heart. Get that rejuvenated heart. Return to him. Press into him. Let him pour into you. Let that, let him transform your wants. And then you will have the power to want 
and to do the best. And you won't be buying cotton couches with your heart in, in areas of your life that actually matter. God, you got to see God right though. He is not trying to bust you. He doesn't want to bust you. He wants to bless you. He wants to lead you into ever increasing life and joy and freedom. And you and I have broken wanters. And though here we we say that looks good, we think we're actually going to find it over here. That's the story of humanity. And God said, no, no, no. I'll walk that road for you and I'll get killed for it. I bought you back. Walk this one. Walk this one. And I'll walk it through you. I promise I'll walk it through you. That's what we're talking about. It's for God. My friends, no matter where you are in the faith, you might consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. You might know, look, hey, I'm, I'm on the sidelines. I'm checking this out. I'm kicking the tires. I'm not sure I'm in yet. Either one of the, it doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. This is true for you. You are free to do whatever you want. You are free to do whatever you want. Here's the question. Are you free not to? Are you free enough not to do whatever it is you want? so that your wants, your broken wants, don't ruin you. That's the kind of freedom that Christ offers. So um, I just want to give you a a tool that I've used in my own life. Um, Andy Stanley uh, actually wrote about this and and preached on it and and made an impression. It's one of those prayers uh, like the ones that we talked about last week that I just want to add to your arsenal, okay? Um, To take you... Test it out this week. Put it in your quiver. Load your gun with it. Use it a thousand times a day if you need to. Here it is. God, I want what you want. And, and, and that's very easy to remember, right? God, I want what you want. Some of you are saying, I can't start there. That's not where I am. That would be like not genuine because I'm not sure I want what God wants. But if you do, that's the one to pray. But if not, then start with the one on the bottom. God, help me want what you want more than what I want. God, help me want what you want more than what I want. See, this is a reason to get that you version because if you had it, it's already in there. You can email it to yourself. It's already there. All right, that's not a commercial. This applies to every decision you will ever make where you're to work, what you're to buy, how, what, what to pour yourself into. God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. If you had a child who was five, and they come to you and they say, and you're the parent, right? Mom, dad, I know I don't want the right things. So what I'm going to do is just want what you want for me. What are you going to do to that kid? That's it, no dinner. Up in your room. Oh, but change my oil first. And, you you know. Or are you going to say, that is all I've ever wanted for you. I want to lead you into everything good. Everything good. Why do you think God's any different? 
This is a dangerous prayer in a beautiful way. But it will upset the apple cart in so many ways in your life. And that's what God wants to do. Why? Because Jesus' great want is you. Is you. In him. In him. In you. In the best. The best. And he'll walk you through everything in this life. Everything. Until he gets you home and he's going to say, this is what I was talking about. You've tasted it all along, but now, look, please. Right now, some of you, this is, you, you don't even need to start with these. You just start with this. Jesus, I want you. Because you don't have him. You don't, but you can. And, and some of you um, have been coming to church for a long time, but you haven't seen the life change, right? You haven't seen these things killed off. They're not weaker than they were. Maybe it's because you haven't been raised with Christ. Because if you have, you get a new wanter. So don't be afraid. Define that relationship. Give yourself to him. This is our time. It's our time to pray one of these prayers where, where Jesus, I want you, right? Come clean with him about your broken wants and where they've led you. We got a chance to respond. We got a chance for life change. We have a chance for life. We have a chance to want the best. I plead with you, don't miss out. Um, I'm going to just sit up here. Uh, I'll go in the back, in the back corner. If any of you during this time you want to talk, you want to pray, come on over. There's people around you who'll do that with you, but just do business with God. His plan is far greater for you than yours is. Your wants are far too small. Far too broken. Let's get a new wanting.